Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday morning. I'm running a little late this week. But um, the people in Israel have to pick it up later. But I want to say a few words about the tefillah. It connects with Rosh Hashanah. As always, this is uh, sponsored, as we know, by Mishpacha Savansky. Um, and I'll get right to it. Rosh Hashanah, you have the famous Musaf that takes a long time. The main part of Rosh Hashanah, in some sense, is either a chauffeur or the Musaf. Get a bomb Musaf at something. The Musaf, of course, is characterized by the as we all know, Malchus, Zichronis, and Shofris, right? So, um, as we all know, there's two ways of doing handling the Shofar blowing in the Chazar shots. Your Nusach Sfarad, and in Sfaradim, I guess, blow in the Silent Monastery as well as in the regular Chazar shots. And the Ashkenaz, they blow only in the Chazar shots, not during the Silent Monastery. Um... There are sources in the Gemara for both, in the Rishalmi, right? There really are. So, you can... So that means, long ago, thousands of years ago, there were already two Minhagim. Some blew in the Silent Monastery as well, and some didn't. Um, that's just interesting. Now, no, this is not some medieval business. Now, where does all this come from? I'm going to give you my best shot at uh, historical reconstruction that I thought of. And that is the following. Um, one basic difference or reason for not blowing in the Salish Monastery is very simply that once upon a time in the Salish Monastery, you didn't do Machi you didn't do Nine Brachas. Right? That's just interesting. Instead, you did the regular Magbe of seven Brachas. The first three, the last three, in the middle would be Mikadosh Yisrael B'yom Corona, something like that. That's it. What about Malchus, the Kronos, and Shabbos, you know, the Morris, or Imru, Eli, Malchus, Kedesha, Tam Lechuni, and all that? That was in the Chazar Zashatz. So primacy was given to the to the, the Shlich Seaboard, who the Gemara even says, especially in Jewish tradition, really was a Shlich Seaboard in Rosh Hashanah, because a lot of people showed up and didn't know what to tell you know, they say even though during the year you shouldn't rely on that, but Rosh Hashanah, you can't, all that business. Not that long ago, I'm, I myself knew in the United States of America, certain places, I mean, a while ago, people would show up from the um, Yishuv, I guess you'd say. People never came to anything Jewish, but they would show up for Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. And really, I mean, in America, you have English uh, mockers, but you know, they couldn't read the Hebrew. Not really. And so basically, that kind of person, he or she, I'm sure, felt very uncomfortable in synagogue. And, you know, if they want to play by the rules, they'll let the chazan do the, 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 the davening for them, which you can do. So Rosh Hashanah always had that characteristic. Now, but the Salon Shemon is something different. If 
there was a custom to only do seven brachas in Musaf in the Salish Monastery, and there was. Obviously, there's no shavar blind. There's no machis according to the shavars. If, if I was living at that time, I don't even mention in my private silent davening machis according to the shavars. That's for the shliach tzibur, which shows you the communal nature of prayers so vital in the context of Rosh Hashanah. It's actually kind of poetic. The silent shemonesri, which, which is sort of like for me as a yachid, I do the seven. But when we, the shliach tzibur does the, the communal prayer on behalf of everybody else, uniting in his person, everybody else, that's more like a claw roll type thing. And then we raise it to majesty. Malchus, Echronus, and Shofus. I mean, it's a certain aesthetic. There were other places that weren't like that. They did like you and I do today. It's very famous in the tour, in Tavakup uh, Tzadi Alpha, I remember this, that he talks about the evolution of the customs and the history of the changing Minhagim. If you look in the tour, he says, Ubeinian Tefila Samusav, Shaltzibor. Kosovaritskias, who was the big guy in Spain in the middle of the ten hundreds. He's Rosh Hashiva Lucino. After Shmuel Nugget, so he was uh, like you say today the head of Lakewood. So he writes, that although he lived in Spain, the Spanish Jews kept tight contact with the Gonim in Babel, and the minute the Yeshivas in Babel was that's what I told you. So the yeshiva's a bubble. That's not from place. Surum Pompadisa. They only daven in silence when it's three seven. But shliach tzibur yard mispaltesha. Only the chazan does nine. Right. The heavy chuvas harbi legonim the natrinoyu l'ravamram, and the ritzkias who was in Spain, but had his access to a lot of gaonic writings. He quoted Chubis, that the Jews in Spain, I guess, wrote to different Goni, Rabbi and others, Shemei Olam lo hispalu tzibur Rosh Hashanah That in the Salish Monastery was seven, which automatically means we have here the origin of the concept that you don't blow shofar during the Salish Monastery, because there is no Salish Monastery, there is no Machis Rukhonis and Shofars during the Salish Monastery. Uh, Rav Haig, Rav Shura, Kachamru, and not only the early Gaonin, like Rav Natrinoi and Rav uh, Amram, who I believe were in the 800s, but Rav Haig, Rav Shura, in the late 9 and early 1000s, Kachamru, right? Behu Kosav, and um, the Ritzkias is saying, as far as the Safaradim, and we're talking about early Spain, we're talking about the 11th century, when it's still in the in the Islamic times, right? I'm not talking about the Jews in Christian Spain later on, right? Um, but okay, you know that's what that that that's what it was. And what does he say? We have a kabbal from big people. Now, if this was a seminar, you could sort of pick this apart. Are they talking about the same people? Whatever. And they themselves had um, early Mesorah. So this is fascinating. He's a Spanish Jew. 
in the Islamic times. This is pre-Rambam, okay? I'm talking about stuff that happened before the Rif shows up in Spain. The middle of the 1000s And he says that the Spanish Jews got their Kabbalah, as he says, from Chanoch, Godel Ador. And that's the son of Moshe Mechanoch. And that takes you back to the famous story of the four captives and the pirates, that whole business. And where's the pirates captured that ship? And by the time the story's over, the last of the four captives gets dumped as a slave in Cordoba in Spain. And the story unfolds, and by the time the story's over, he's the Godelador in the Rosh Hashiva, and he starts Spain, Cordoba, as a big Malcolm Torah, which the Svartim have maintained down to the present day. Okay? So if you're a Svarti, and you go by real Mesorah, 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 you go back to Moshe Mechanoch. And where was he from? Nobody knows. Were they from Babylonian yeshivas? Maybe. We don't know. There are many theories among historians where they came from. Could they be from Eretz Yisrael? Could they be from Greece? It's possible. It's a complicated subject. But that's what happened. And he had a different Mesorah. And he said, you do like we do, like you and I do today. We do nine brachas. So the Ramban, who is always a restorer of ancient traditions as he understands them. You know, he will defend the riff against the Balamor, right? That sort of thing. Against the Ravid. Ramban, who, although he lived in the 1200s, he struggled to reassert the custom of the Gonim. So if you went into the synagogue of the Ramban in Girono and Rosh Hashanah, the Salon Shemonesi was seven. And they omitted the Malchus Zerkonis and Shofas. Which automatically means, I know in the Ramban Shul, I mean the real Ramban Shul, not the one in Israel, they say is Ramban Shul. I mean the Ramban Shul in, 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 um, in what do you call it, in Spain. And maybe in, when he moved to Yerushalayim, I guess he did the same thing, come to think of it. That's just interesting. There's a base Knesset to Ramban. If these, I, I mean, you know, in the old city, I've seen number of places that call themselves that. And if they are, then they're not, then they're going to do seven in the Shemonesi. Maybe they do. I don't know. Because he said that the Shekachoy Aminik that the Minig was, you know, to uh, to do it that way. Until the Ritzkias in um in Lucina, Yeshiva, switched it to uh, to nine, uh, to seven. I'm sorry. He switched it to nine, the way we do it today. So Ramban apparently was trying to restore it back to the old ways of seven. al king docha gliyashed minhag harishon v'lo nehir ladoni rush, but the rush didn't like what Ramban was trying to do. Misha is pal sheba abrachal because the rush said, if you omit malchis, the corners and shavers, in the silent Shemonesri, is a bracha vatola, king shemachusar shabrachos, and minagavasin, and lishanos, and so forth. Okay. Um, the Shemal Levi was there, Shemal and Nugget. Okay, now, um, so what does that mean? Whether you followed everything I said now, you can look it up yourself, on top of Kotsariel. Well, you followed exactly what I said, or you didn't, you get the general idea that you were two customs. And they reflect two sensibilities. And I think it has to do with the two customs of blowing shofar, not that the 
custom blowing shofar or not is a result of this, although it kind of is, but there's something more to it in my opinion. What is the sensibility of the yeshivas in Bobo? The answer is, there's no such thing as a yantav musaf with more than seven. There's a certain mapeah. And Rosh Hashanah, among other things, is a yantav. That's not all it is, but it's a yantav. And so when a yantav, you do it that way. Perhaps, 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 my friends, I'm speculating here. It's possible that this represents a radical conservatism because you and I know that way back when you didn't blow the shofar at all during the Musa, but rather during the chakras. Remember that? That originally the mission says Hasheni Maskia. That by the time of the mission you blow in the Musa because the Romans made massacres of the Jews when they did it by chakras. You know this. Eventually they felt they had to change it. And I think Tosa says, Shema Yachzu double Kokulo. They never wanted to go back. Lee Omerly, that although we don't necessarily have records of this, but we have, in my opinion, echoes and traces of the historical development that went along the following lines. Forever, forever, for a long time, used to do the Kiyosh HaShofar and Chakras. Then, persecutions caused a change in the practice. So, okay, if it's a persecution, persecution. I wouldn't be surprised, based on what we see in Corona, that probably some real frummies and stuff kept it up in chakras, said to hell with the Romans. We do have records of blowing chauffeur, you know, in a cave and in pits and things like this. Rav Haigong says it's from time of persecution. It could be that the persecutions are identical with what we said before, that the Romans prohibited blowing shofar because they thought it's a revolution. It's a rebellion. In other words, what I'm saying is as follows. When it says, I don't know, but I, I think, I'm just sharing with you my thought. I think what might have happened is as follows. You blew the shofar in the shofar, so all of a sudden the Romans said, started killing people, and they probably prohibited blowing shofar. Some Jews went ahead and blew shofar anyway. As you do, you see in Corona. And you don't care about the rules, especially the Roman rules. Ah, you, you're taking your life in your hands. Some you didn't know like that. Weren't there people who blew shofar in the concentration camp at the cost, at, at the risk of their life? And then, the rabbis probably spoke to the Romans and cut a deal and said, we'll do it by Musaf. Then you'll see it's not re- revolutionary. No, this is not simply, simplistically. They used to blow by Shachris, and then they got killed, and they, they start blowing by Musa without consulting him. You're talking about a Claudius Roll type event. Obviously, the big rabbis got into this. I'm sure they consulted with the Roman officers. That's just common sense. And this is what they worked out. Probably there were some stick-in-the-mud guys who said, no, it's a Shachris word. It's the reason my team should continue to do it by Shachris. And so, I'll bet you that when they switched to the Muslim practice, which became universal, there were those who did not, but kept up the old way. Especially when, as Tosas asked Akasha, 
once the Roman persecutions ended, why don't they go back to the regular? Now, I think Tosa says, they thought it might start again. That's a terrorist in the Velterine. It's a good question. It's a good question. And so, I speculate what happened was that you end up with two types of people out there. Those who blew by Muslim and those who continue to blow by Shachras. Because they said, you know, why should we have an outdoor minion this year if there's no corona? You know, that kind of art. And so, you ended up with two types of people, A and B. Those who blew the shofar, most of them blew in chakras. Listen well. If you blow in chakras, then you do seven in Musaf. You, you, you get it? No, it's whatever Machi is the shofar stuff you do, you do in chakras. There's no point in Musaf because you already blew the shofar in the chakras. The character of the liturgy was different. It's an old custom. And it, I guess those who blew by chakras were offended by the notion that you break the matbeah of seven brachas by Musaf. And so it became a controversial point. And the yeshivas in Babylonia seemed to have picked up the, the Sheva business. Or maybe they did a compromise. That's really what happened. And that's very common in Jewish history, halachic history. And the compromise was, let's get everybody on the same page. Those who reflect the old way, in other words, if you come, you're of us, of us, of us, of us, did seven in, in Musaf, so you do seven in Musaf also by the sounds from Nesri. I mean, the real reason, of course, was because you're of us, of us, of us, blue and chocolate, so we don't do that anymore. But we'll give some validation to the custom by having the silence from Nesri be seven. Publicly, we're going to, in the, in the, in the shots, we're going to do nine because that reflects the new consensus. That's what we do. Maybe because the Shem you know, the Gemara, like, Tosa's Kasha reflects the fact that the Gemara doesn't explain this whole thing out. It doesn't play it out. But that seems to be what happened, best as I can tell. In which case, you have one of these evolutions of customs, which are fascinating. The result, however, of course, is in practical terms that there's no Malchus Yerchonis and Shavas, you know, by the Chazar Seshats. I'm sorry, by the Silent Shemnesri. And therefore, there's no Shavar blowing by the Silent Shemnesri. The other tradition is, of course, that they switched long ago when they went, switched to Mosef, then they switched Malchus Yerchonis and Shavas to Mosef. And so we end up, as, as I can tell, in the Gonic Yeshivas, with some kind of variance of Rabbi Avos Takana by the Shavar. He wanted everybody to be on the same page. And these guys in the in the yeshivas want everybody to be on the same page. And you do that by showing deference to the minhagim of once upon a time. You know, you split it between the silent monastery, as they say, and the public monastery. That's one side of it. What's the other side? Those why the nine? At the end of the day, where do you come up with Malchus, Zerkonis, and Shofas? Do you end up with nine? Because you have the first three brachas, the last three, and the, and the middle three. Right? I mean, you do Kedusha Zayom together with Malchus, but you have the middle three. It seems to me that, again, I'm just speculating, 
The place they came up with nine is very simple. It's the nine colors. Once upon a time, all you blew was nine colors. We forget it. After Rabbi Avo came along, which was in the third century, so then they switched to 30 colors and more. But the nine colors, which are the derisive, Tekiah true Tekiah times three, that's ancient. What did they blow in Shofar long, long ago? I mean, long, long ago. Nine! Right? Let's go like a high gong. He says, dealer's choice. Shvarim is okay. True is okay. Either way, it's fine. You don't even need Shvarim Trua. So that's so the Shofar Blink was a lot less simple. A lot simpler. In that case, the number nine assumed a tremendous importance. It almost suggests, I mean, you know, I'm playing with this. It almost sounds like, to me, that maybe the original system was that you did nine brachas, but each, uh, and again, I'm speculating, but each of the nine, you did one of the nine. In other words, by Mogan Avram, they did Kiyo, and by next one, they did Shvarim, and by uh, Melcha Kodesh, they did True, you know, Tkiyo, Shvarim, Tkiyo, and by next one, they did Tkiyo, you know what I mean, right? Because after all, the din is, if you hear nine kolos, even over the course of the day, it counts. Where does that come from? It's a strange din. I mean, it's interest, It's an interesting halacha. You know what I'm talking about. Shama, Tesha, Kolos, Metesha, Bneyonam, Yotza, or something like that. As long as they're in the right order. What would be the origin of that? There's no statement of the word that doesn't come out of some historical reality. Especially if it's a halacha business. I mean, one time or another, it's Realize whenever you look at any halacha, you're looking at a historical site. To be perfectly honest, that's in any law system. If in America or in Baltimore, you see a law about, you know, don't sit on the left side of the street on Tuesday mornings, there, there was a reason. The reason may not exist today, but once upon a time was a reason. So if they made up this business of, you heard nine from nine people, maybe it's from the time of the Romans when it was literally impossible to hear it all at once. Or maybe it's because, as I said before, that was your typical blowing of the Shemadasrei when they did nine, back at the time that they knew what the nine was, Lefebvre of Haigon. Uh, that's, in which case we have a you know, pretty heavy emphasis on the, on the importance of the number. The idea being like this, if the Torah says nine, and especially the Torah saying it, there if the, uh, the Torah saying it, you know, uh, through, uh, what's the right word, through Drabonis, you know, Xerah Shabbos, things like that. So I could all totally see, I mean, let's put it this way. And this, again, is a possibility. You know, many of the laws were against the Tzedukim, the Karayim, that kind of business. Right? Isn't that true? Soon we're coming up to Yom Kippur. Didn't they make the coin tummy on purpose to stick it to the, to the, to the Karayim? I mean, to the Tzedukim at that time? Um, anyhow, wait a second, I have to stop this for a second. Sorry, I got interrupted. Um, but I think I was saying that you see the evolution of the process, and the question was, where did the nine come from? I think, you know, if you think through the details, that if you're at Sudoku, you're one of those types, you don't blow the shelf the way we do. As a matter of fact, maybe they didn't blow the shelf at all. 
Because it doesn't say in Chumash, as we all know, thou shalt blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Most it says is, you do it in Yovel. The Chazal are saying, no, that's the mean of the Torah Shabbat which the Tzedukim and various other Torahs don't agree with, obviously. And Lehotzim Elim Shal Tzedukim, I think they made a big deal out of the nine. And if you count it up, you do three brachas, three brachas, and three brachas, you end up with nine. And that made a big bit for a Hesia thing. Exactly on the lines, along the lines that we find, you know, when they did the, what is it, the, uh, not the Bikurim, yeah, the Bikurim. No, the Omer. That's it, the Omer. You know, where they cut it, but Asa Godol and all that in the Mishnah and Menachos. So, um, Tekiah once upon a time was an ideological battlefield. Um, we know numbers are very important because the whole idea of ten brachas, you know, you should, ten psukim, they say connected to Halukas, you know, at the end of Psalm 150, at the very end of the Tehillim, is it's an interesting evolution of how these ideas came up. Nobody just sat up one day and said, let's do this. It obviously developed and evolved. And I think, therefore, that what we have is a situation in which Originally, of course, once upon a time, you just blew chauffeur, there was no davening, as the Ramah puts it in the Bais Rishon period. Excuse me, eventually they came with the Shimon Esri, and then they ended up being in Shachos. But when it was in Shachos, it was nine. They did Malchus, Zichonis, and chauffeurs in Shachos. And it would really be a host of Limeshot Tzadukim, especially if they did, maybe, Tkia, Trua, Tkia, Tkia, Trua, Tkia, Tkia, Trua, Tkia, by each brachal. Of the Shemnesri. So when everybody hears a blow and they say, oh, man, or something like that, you're making an anti tzaduki type statement, which is very typical of the Baishani period. Eventually, as we all know, for Roman reasons, they switched to Musaf. As I said, there are people, for their own reasons, who want to keep up their chakras. This probably continued for a long time until they worked out in Bavel this kind of compromise type situation. In which, you don't do, the you know you don't do seven in the silent. Therefore, you don't do malki zirkunos and shofars at all in the um, in the silent shemnesri. By that time, it's post Rabbi Avov. By that time, is the nine doesn't mean anything anymore to people. I mean, you and I know intellectually, if you read the Gemara, that midrash it's nine. But for Rove Klal it's 30 colors, it's 40 colors, it's 100 colors. You know what I mean? Once you got the idea of Tashrad and Taran, the original meaning wasn't significant. And therefore, you could have this back and forth with the customs that seemed to have raged as an argument in Spain in the 9, 10, 11, 1200, the 1200s, and the Rush is the 1300s. You know, the Rush lived in Spain after Ramban, uh, reflected in this writings of the tour. In which case, you really see the evolution of a set of ideas. And if what I'm saying is right, then when you hear the chauffeur blowing, you, you keep the nine in mind, because that was the original Takan of the Chazal. The nine in mind. Meaning, you know, that they're pegging the nine to the Shem And when you assert nine, you're making a big statement of belief in the in the Torah Shoah path. Because as I said before, it's not easy how the Gemara comes up with nine. You know, it says three times true and send Havartem, and all that sort of thing you find in the, in the, what do you call it, in the uh, Shemnesri, in the Gemara, in Rosh Hashanah. So, 
Um, I think this is part of the agenda of the Chazal. And there's other examples of this also. Maybe I'll do one later if I have time later today. In which one of the things you're doing when you're makabal o is if if you follow what I'm saying, you're makabal o machus toshabapet. Then I'm going to be conducting this kabbalah so machus through the rabbonim, the Sanhedrin, which is God's voice on earth, so to speak. Um, this is of course reflected in the fact that the Gemara says the the basin upstairs doesn't sit until the basin downstairs says. You don't do glittering generalities in which you simply say, I believe in God as the sovereign of the universe. When you say, and here's how I demonstrate I believe in God, and that is I listen to, to the Torah Shabbat Pet. Anyway, I think, uh, I can't prove it, I think that this is how the whole situation evolved, in which case the site of, of the shovel blowing has a very interesting history to it. Um, anyway, with that, once again, with thanks to Fanskis, and I wish you all good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.